Welcome to the Bethel Church Podcast. Each week you'll be able to check in for our messages from Sunday and other material. We hope that our messages encourage you in your walk in daily faith with Jesus. Make sure to check out our website, BethelStratford.org. This morning, though, we are going to begin a summer series. I hope you're excited. I'm excited. This summer series, we're going to talk about the heroes of faith. The heroes of faith. And so we're going to go through the chapter 11 of Hebrews, and we're just going to talk about individuals that are um, mentioned there. Here's the great thing. When you read through the chapter of faith, many of you in the room will go, oh, yeah, I know that person. This is what happened. But when was the last time you took a moment to read through their life story? And see, here's the interesting thing. As we read through the stories, as we read through all of these things and the life events, many of us read them as if, if I I throw out the name Noah, you'll know, oh yeah, this is what happened. He built the ark and he survived. But you forget the time period it took. And you forget the ridicule and the humiliation and the insults that lasted a hundred years. And so we always read these characters and we go, oh yeah, the, I, that's one of my favorite characters. I love how he did that. And, and we talk about it like we talk about movies almost. And the dilemma is these people walked through it every day, just like you and me. And they didn't actually get to skip a couple chapters to see how it was going to end. They didn't get to read a couple verses and then jump a few pages and go, that's the way it works. And what's a chapter to us or two chapters to us could be 20 years. So whatever you're praying for, whatever you're believing in, hang on. Because as we read through these, I want to encourage you that if God's given you a promise, he holds his promises. He's faithful to them. But here's the, here's the kind of the thing that shocks us as we read through a lot of these. Um, as we read through a lot of them, the promises that were given to them, they actually never got to see with their own eyes. I know it's encouraging this morning, isn't it? But we have to be faithful to what God has called us to be faithful for. And so we're going to walk through Hebrews 11. We're going to take the he- uh, heroes that you read from verses uh, 3 to 31. And this morning, I'm going to read to you just the beginning of this, is which kind of spurred this on. It's Hebrews 11, 1 to 3. It says, Now faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. This is what the ancients were commended Four. They were commended for believing and hoping for what they couldn't see. By faith, we understand that the universe was formed at God's command so that what is seen was not made out of what was visible. I don't know about you, but I've tried planting grass in my backyard and growing grass, and I wish I could just walk back to a bald patch and be like, grass, and see it grow. And the amazing thing is, if you could envision being here for creation, and as God just spoke, things started to happen. And I don't believe when he spoke about trees growing that all of a sudden you saw like a little thing 
bust out of the ground and it took a few years. It's like, I think we lose the awe of what God has done. I think some of us, we try to wrestle with, well, what did that actually look like? I actually am simple enough that when the Bible says he spoke it and it happened, that it actually worked that way. That he spoke it. I just imagine the first, one of the first days when he was like, separated the water from the land. Can you imagine that? That's like opening one of the biggest dams ever and land appearing. I realize when you open a dam, it floods other land, but just go with it, okay? <laughs> Didn't fully think it out as it came out, but you understand what I mean, that all of a sudden land appears, mountains, like wrap your head around this for a moment and just envision some of the stuff that's happened in the Bible. And it's faith is the confidence in what we hope for and the assurance about what we do not see. How many here are still holding on to promises that God showed you? I believe there's more, so let's try this again. How many people are still holding on to promises? Because I believe God's given everybody a promise. By raising your hand, don't worry, it's just going, yes, I'm listening, and I still believe in God. And if you can't raise your hand, I'll pray for healing for your shoulders in the name of Jesus. Realize, I'll I'll give you a little hint and then I'll get back to my notes. As pastors, as you're teaching, when you ask like, hey, who does this? When nobody raises their hand, you actually think nobody got what you thought, so you'll go back and do it again. By raising your hand and participating, it actually speeds things up. Watch everybody raise their hands now as we go. See, how many of us, we still hold on, we still believe, and here's the hardest part, and this is why these uh, people in the Bible, I don't even like calling them characters because they're human beings, they're people that live, they're people that walk through this. Here's the amazing thing about them. They walked through it and still believed years without seeing anything. Like, I don't want to steal from sermons that are coming, but as you think about Abraham being promised to have a child, the dude was almost 100 years old. How many people here, and I know you don't want to raise your hand, but say 75 plus. Anybody 75 plus? Raise with confidence. Come on, be proud. All right, you're not 75 plus, sorry. 75 plus, raise your hand nice and high for a minute. How many of you want to have a kid in 25 years? <laughs> right? Like, let's, let's think about what he lived through. I know grandparents that are like 50 years old and like, take the kid home. Right? Like you get to a stage of your life, you're like, ah, no. And so he waited for this promise and they held on to it. So the first person that we're going to talk about this morning is Abel. Abel. And we think about Abel. I don't know about you, he isn't really mentioned much in the Bible. It doesn't really talk much about him. It's basically like he was born... He did some sacrifices, and then he was murdered. That's basically his story. But we're going to look at him this morning, and we want to read in Hebrews 11. I want to read from verse 4. By faith, Abel brought God a better offering than Cain did. By faith, he was commended as righteous when God spoke well of his offering, and by faith, Abel still speaks even though he is dead. Why is Abel even mentioned? 
Why, why is he commended as righteous? And why did God speak well of his offering? I don't know about you. Have you ever read and start just asking questions? Anybody question askers this morning? Just a few people. Did you drive your parents nuts like I did? Miles is just like me. Tons of questions. And my mom just giggles when she's here. But this is how you learn. So it's okay to read the scriptures and go, I don't get that. Why is that like, why is he in there? What's this? Why that? And ask God and let God just kind of jump you around the Bible and connect dots and show things. And it's interesting that he is recognized for his offering. And that's really all it says. Because he did an offering, he was classified as righteous. And here's the thing. God doesn't have favorites, right? But yet he liked Abel's offering better than Cain's. Oh, wait a minute. I just mess with a whole bunch of people's minds. But why, why did God like his offering more? So God, you actually, so when we give to you, the Lord, there's actually times where you're like, I'm pleased with that one, not so much this one. I'm just reading Bible, and it's, like, it's confusing for me. And so in Genesis 4, let's go to where it talks about it. Genesis 4.10, it says this, Later she gave birth to his brother Abel. Now Abel kept flocks, and Cain worked the soil. In the course of time, Cain brought some of the fruits of the soil as an offering to the Lord, and Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from some of the firstborn of his flock. The Lord looked with favor on Abel and his offering, but on Cain and his offering, he did not look with favor. So Cain was very angry, and his face was downcast. They're still in a close enough relationship with the Lord. He's still present enough that they know when it's right and when it's wrong. And he's this close that he knows almost immediately, like, oh, God's not happy with me. Then the Lord said to Cain, why are you angry? Why is your face downcast? If you do what is right, you will, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door. It desires to have you but you must rule over it. Now Cain said to his brother Abel, how many times is when God warns us and says, hey, you just need to kind of control yourself and get your stuff together, how many of us automatically blame the other person? Anybody else? I, it's so much easier for me, and I've said it before, to go, well, if, you know, if this person didn't do that, I wouldn't have responded this way. Right? Like that's, I don't know about you, but holding yourself accountable kind of stinks. And so sometimes we just have to be real, understand, and confess, like, no, no, I'm responsible for me. I'm responsible for my actions. But Cain said to his brother, you know what, God, instead of I must rule over it, I'm just, hey, Cain, or Abel, let's go. Why don't we go out to the field? I want to show you some of my crops. I want to show you my corn. I want to show you my garden. You should see the size of my zucchinis. They're amazing. Let's go have a look. And they walk out, and while they're in the field, Cain attacked his brother Abel and killed him. Then the Lord said to Cain, where is your brother Abel? Just so you're aware, if God asks you a question, I want you to know he already knows the answer. Okay, so the best thing is just be honest, be truthful. So Cain responds, I don't know. Am I my brother's keeper? 
The Lord said, what have you done? Listen, your brother's blood cries out to me from the ground. So what are the differences? Cain, in the course of time, brought some fruits. Abel also brought an offering, fat portions from the firstborn of his flock. I'm interested in the fact that it says that Abel brought firstborn, and it says Cain in a course of time. So eventually Cain did it. Abel, firstborn. Might mean nothing, but it stood out to me. I believe that God always asks us to bring first fruits. I believe he wants us to bring to him what is his, and it's not in a matter of time we'll get to it. It's the first thing we do. So when we give to the Lord, when we give offerings, when we give tithes, when we give gifts to the Lord, I believe he actually wants first fruits. Well, what does first fruits mean? For me, it actually means off my gross pay, not off my net. I know, this, this sermon is going to be quiet. I'm talking about money. It's all right. You can just relax. But we're going to talk about it. Do we give first fruits? Do we give what is rightfully his? Do we come in a course of time? Or do we give right away? Elwell, I'm not even going to try the other guy's last name, in the Baker Encyclopedia Bible, they write this. Abel's older brother Cain was engaged in agriculture. Ar- um, I can't say that word right now. But Abel himself was a shepherd. Domestication of animals and cultivation of cereal grains and other vegetables indicates an advanced degree of cultural development since the garden. When both brothers brought offerings, God accepted Abel's animal sacrifice but rejected Cain's vegetable offering. As a result, Cain became jealous of Abel and killed him. I don't know about you, but for a long time, I also really just thought, like, oh, God wants a sacrifice of an animal. It's not vegetables. But then he goes on and says this. The narrative indicates that Abel's character was more worthy of God's blessing, hence His offering was accepted and Cain's was not. There is no scriptural evidence that cereal or vegetable offerings were less effective as either sin offerings or fellowship meals than offerings involving the shedding of blood since in later Mosaic law, both were prescribed. I know that's a little bit heavier than normal. But he touches on verse 7, and if you remember what we read in verse 7, God says to Cain, If you do what is right, will you not be accepted? But if you do not do what is right, sin is crouching at your door and it desires to have you and you must rule over it. So I believe this is coming to a heart issue. Cain knew what he was to do, but was not doing it. So it comes right back to the beginning of sin, to disobedience disobedience was the difference. Cain eventually got to it, but even when he got to it, he didn't want to do it. It's a heart issue. See, the Bible talks about a cheerful giver. It doesn't talk about whether you give or not. It's automatically assumed you do. And so when it comes to a heart issue, 
How is our heart when we're giving to God? See, Abel is being commended not for just his offering, but for his obedience. His obedience to what God has asked him to do. Abel is commended for his obedience and his giving. And so then how do we today follow in his footsteps? How do we today follow in Abel's footsteps to have the right heart to give to the Lord? See, Matthew 22, Jesus is talking in verse 21, and they're trying to trap him on giving. And he asked for a coin. He asked for some money. Um, does anybody have a $100 bill if they can lend me for a second? No? Okay. It's not even for the illustration. I just wanted a $100 bill. But if you look at money, pick any type of money. I aimed high and went for the brown bill. But if any type of money, if you look at it, this is what God says. Give me the money. Let me see it. Whose face is on here? And they say, Caesar's, they replied. And then he said to them, so give back to Caesar what is Caesar's, and to God what is God's. So as Christians, first off, you should be paying your taxes, and you should not try to cheat on them either. Just to be very clear. But then then he says, and to God what is God's? He doesn't say to God what you think you should give. I always believe with Jesus, it's not about how much you give. It's actually a percentage. That's why when the uh, poor widow came forward and dropped the two coins in, he was like, she gave more than anybody. Because it's not how big your check is. It's your heart. But I do believe that the Bible lays out for us how we're supposed to give. A lot of times when you start talking about giving, when you start talking about tithing, a lot of people get into, well, that was Old Testament. In the New Testament, they don't talk about tithing. Well, that's one, they didn't have to because they just did it. And if they didn't tithe, you know what they did when somebody was in trouble? They sold their property so that everybody had some. So we can talk about what they talk about in Acts, or we can stay on tithing. (laughs) So I'm going to stay on tithing. Because here's what Jesus said. And I don't know about you, but I kind of like to listen to him. And he says this in Luke 11, verse 39. Then the Lord said to them, this is again, said to him, Now then, you Pharisees, the outside of the cup and dish, or sorry, you Pharisees, clean the outside of the cup and dish, but in the inside you are filled of greed and wickedness. So just to clarify what he's talking about, cleaning the outside of the cup, you come to the temple, you walk around in the finest clothes, you look sharp, you look good, kind of like me, and then what happens is, which is, I should just confess, right? Like, no. But I want you to know I do work on cleaning the inside. I realize how I just set myself up for that. <laughs> All right, we're just having fun, trying to make some lightness here as we're talking about something nobody likes to talk about. Clean the outside of the dish, and cu- the cup and dish. But the inside are full of greed and wickedness. You foolish people. Did not the one who made the outside make the inside also? But now, as for what is inside you, 
Be generous to the poor, and everything will be clean for you. Next slide. Woe to you, Pharisees, because you give God a tenth of your mint. Your mint. So just so you're aware, tithe actually means tenth. A tenth of your mint, rue, and all kinds of garden herbs, but you neglect justice and love of God. You should have practiced the latter without leaving the former undone. This is Jesus. So what he's saying is, look, at you even tithe on your herb garden. Anybody have a herb garden like dills and all that kind of stuff? Anybody? Could you imagine going out and going, okay, this is how many plants I have, so here's a tenth. Like they are getting right down, like, hey, somebody gave me a dime. I don't even have pennies anymore, but here's a penny. Like this is how picky they Pharisees are being. But they forget justice and the love of God. So Jesus is correcting them. But Jesus then goes on to say, hey, you need to practice looking after justice, looking after the orphans, looking after the widows, depending on your um, translation. But when you do that, by the way, you need to practice doing that without forgetting the former. Wait, so Jesus says that we need to look after the orphans and the widows and justice and love. Okay, we got that. We can do that. But Jesus doesn't talk about tithing. Actually, he does. Right here. You should practice the latter without leaving the former undone. Why would Jesus say this? If when he dies and raises from the dead, he goes, oh, yeah, I don't mean it anymore. No. It's still supposed to be practiced today. So, Chad, you say when they pass the offering plate around, if I get paid every two weeks, I'm supposed to give a tenth of what comes off my gross. Yes. That's a lot. Possibly. But here's something that just as God, you will live better on 90% than you ever will on 100. All you have to do is just talk to people who give faithfully regular tithing. Can I explain it to you? No. I can't. But it is the only spot in Scripture where God says, test me in this. So here's what I want to encourage you this morning. If you don't tithe, you may give. I'm not saying you don't give. But if you don't tithe, I will challenge you on something. I will ask you to start tithing. And start tithing for six months. Because here's what's going to happen if you tithe in the next couple weeks. Something might break. I'm warned. Chad, that's not promising. No, but it's reality. Because the enemy is a punk. Okay? And so when you step out in faith and you try to do something that God is asking you to do, do you know how many people can live together, not married, and their relationship is incredible? And then they get married, and they're like, I don't know what happened, but like, we don't even like each other anymore. Well, because now you're in a godly relationship that's honoring God, so the enemy goes, now I'm going to attack, before he couldn't care less. Well, that doesn't make sense. I know. 
But when you're not living according to God in certain areas of your life, the enemy just kind of goes, I'm just going to leave that part alone. And then the moment you try to step out and go, okay, this is what the Bible tells me to do. So this is what I'm going to do. The enemy goes, hold on a minute. I'm going to kick some dirt in your face and see if you keep going. That's why I always encourage people, you got to do this for like six months. Because after you're doing it faithfully, you'll begin to see God just do things. Now, does that mean when you give, all of a sudden you're going to open up your mailbox and there's going to be a check there that God's going to restore what you gave and it's going to be signed Jesus and then the memo because of offering? No, that's not, it might happen. I don't, I've never got a check from Jesus. You might get a random check from somewhere. It might happen. But here's what I can tell you. When you decide to live all areas of your life, finances, everything according to God, he just does cool stuff. And what I mean by that is I have saved before to go buy something. It could be, I'm sports related. I remember saving for a long time to buy a softball bat. I won't tell you how much it was because some of you would be mad. But it was important to me. And so I bought this bat. But here's the thing. I saved and saved and saved so I wouldn't go in debt for it. And then I went to buy it and it was $200 off. I know some of you are like, how much was it? <laughs> it was a great bat. I hit a lot of home runs. It was awesome. But what I find happens is random things are on sale. I remember taking students when I was in Strathroy to go buy food for a camping trip or for overflow and stuff like that. And I remember some of them, they would just tag along because, one, they wanted the day off school, and two, they knew we'd stop for Starbucks. That was the reason they came. It wasn't to carry anything. It wasn't for anything else. It was, I get off school earlier, and you're buying Starbucks, right? That was it. But as we walked through stores, I would have a list. I wasn't just like, well, let's just see what's there. I would have a list. And we would walk through the store, and I'd be like, okay, we need this. Let's go buy it. And two students, they pointed this out one time. They're like, Pastor Chad, do you realize that everything we're buying is on sale? Like, did you know to come to this store? And I'm like, I wish I was that organized, but I'm not. I said it was the closest one. This is why we're here. They're like, everything that's on your list is on sale. This is the things that Jesus does. If we live according to what he has, it's about our obedience we need to practice the latter without leaving the former undone. Abel gave firstborn. We are to give firstfruits. I want to ask, do you ever give, do you give to the church? Do you tithe to the church? Because you could sit here some Sunday morning. By the way, I should have clarified this right from the get-go and just clued in. I apologize. If this is like your first or second Sunday with us, you're good. <laughs> All right? So you can take a deep breath. If you've been here longer than that, listen in. But if you give, you should, like, there's probably Sundays when you see the plate pass by and you're like, how do they turn the lights on? God is always faithful. What I believe is we continue to give, as we continue to give offerings and stuff, God is going to honor us. See, Malachi, we're going to go to the Old Testament, 3.8. This is one everybody talks about, but then they always say, well, that's Old Testament. But we just clarified that it's still in the new. Malachi says this, Will a mere mortal rob God? Yet you rob me. But you ask, how are we robbing you? In tithes and offering. You are under a curse, your whole nation Listen to the nation part here. I want you to think of our country for a moment. 
because you are robbing me. Bring the whole tithe into the storehouse, and there will be food in my house. Test me in this, says the Lord Almighty, and see if I will not throw open the floodgates of heaven and pour out so much blessing that there will, be, uh, there will not be room enough to store it. I believe that as we look at society and we look at all the things happening and we say, you know, why isn't our country doing more? Why isn't? I believe the church is supposed to do more. I believe we're here as the answer. Well, Chad, why aren't we doing more? I will show you how fine-toothed combed our budget is. If everybody, here's statistics, and I don't have them here, but I can tell you because most statistics are made up on the spot. But, so I won't rhyme off numbers, but I just know by sitting at district and talking that probably about 20 to 30% of people in churches tithe. If you think about 70% more people, this is just a generic statistic, and I know that we have faithful givers. I honestly don't know if we have faithful tithers. And that's not an insult if you tithe. I just don't know who does or who doesn't. It makes it simple for me. So when I stand up and preach, I'm not looking at anybody. Because I could be preaching to everybody that tithes. And you're like, he's wasting his breath, maybe. But I also know statistics. So imagine for a minute what our yearly budget is. And if that's really on, let's, I'm going to give us benefit of the doubt. I'm going to say if that's on 50% of us tithing. Imagine what happens if everybody ties and all of a sudden you can basically almost double your budget. I know this is this is where it gets quiet. It's okay. I'm good with that. I know I'm treading in areas that can be offensive, but it's biblical. So do you tithe? Here's the interesting thing. The Bible actually talks and says how are we robbing you in tithes and offerings? You know you, you tithe, your 10% is actually the beginning. And then there's actually offerings and gifts. Most people don't even reach the tithe, let alone the offerings and the gifts. And when you step into those territories, that's where God's blessing actually opens up. I always look at it this way, and I'm going to word it differently so all the theologians in the room just understand the illustration. I almost believe that the tithe to God is my rent. I pray for God to, or, you know, so um, Kawhi Leonard just signed a massive contract. Lord, send him to attendance at our church. No, I'm joking. Um, (laughs) But I think of the Lord. How many people have ever prayed that God will provide a job? Okay, good. You can put your hands down before I say this part. I almost feel like sometimes if I pray to God, Lord, I need work, I need you to provide a job for me, that he is like my agent, Understand the illustration. Bear with me. I know if you're being really theologian, you'll be like, Chad, that's not good. But when he gets me the job, do you know that most athletes give at least 10% to their agent? So when God gives me a job, it's almost like me going, thank you for my job. I know it comes from you, so here's your share. That's why when I take up offering, you'll never, you'll always hear me pray what is rightfully yours. Because I don't give to receive. I give because he's already given. That's the, I, I don't believe that I give just so he will give me back. Do I know that he works things out? Amazingly. But we give because of what he's already done. We've developed even here at a church
we've developed a plan just to even get us out of debt. And it's as simple as giving a little extra money every time you give. And our mortgage renews in a year. It renews in June of 2020. I've done the math. We've given faithfully. We've paid off. Just to celebrate for a minute, just to remind everybody, in four years, we paid off $400,000. Isn't it good to clap in a service where you're talking about money? (laughs) But to pay off the whole mortgage in a year from now, we need to raise about an extra $100,000. I know it sounds like, what? But can I tell you something? We've done it before in one year. And so I'm crazy enough to believe that we can. And here's the amazing thing for me. I've confessed many times from this platform that finances is the area that stretches me the most in my faith. But God has walked with me the last few months. I'll just say the few. It might have been a little bit more than that. But the last few months, he's just walked with me. And he's just showed me how he does amazing things. And he's been so faithful that my faith in finances is just increasing. And so when I talk about paying off this mortgage, not only do I imagine what can we do as a church to impact Stratford and Ontario and Canada and across the world if everybody did what God's asked them to do, but what can we do with no debt? And don't worry, I think years ahead and so there's crazy ideas in this head (laughs) but I believe if we are faithful like Abel and our hearts are correct and we obey God and we give the way he's asked us to give he will proclaim Bethel as righteous just like Abel and when there's faithfulness as we read in the scriptures our nation I believe will see an open heaven but it starts right here And so I'm encouraging you to start giving and give sacrificially, living by faith. I encourage you to give both tithe and offering. I'll I'll tell you straight from here right now, I'm not asking you to do anything that I don't do. I'm not asking you to do anything that any of the leadership here at the church does not do. We're asking you to come alongside and give the way that God has asked us to give as able and we will be commended as righteous. Let's pray. Father, I thank you for this morning. Lord, I thank you for your presence just in the service as we go through communion and we remember who you are and the victory in our lives. And Lord, as we touch on a subject that, Father, you warn us in the Bible that we will love, we can only serve two gods, you or money. And so, Father, this morning as we just talk about a touchy subject, I pray, Lord, that your, uh, your voice is heard, that Holy Spirit, people hear your voice, just speaking to them, prodding them, that, Lord, this is what you've asked them to do. It's not a matter of uh, what they think, but, Father, it's just an act of obedience. And so, Lord, this morning, I pray for everyone in the room, that, Lord, as they leave here, that, Holy Spirit, you speak to them, and you prod them, and you walk with them. And, Lord, the ones that give, and the ones that give offerings and gifts, that, Father, this morning, they're commended for their righteousness. And that, Father God, I pray that all of us in every area of our lives, not just finances, but we ask you, Lord, Father, where are we just out of line a little bit? 
that we follow completely what you've asked us to do, not just a little bit in the grave, but completely with you. That Holy Spirit, every area of our lives, finances, relationships, our thought patterns, the way we act in secret, the way we act in public, that, Father God, they're all in line with you, and we shine completely for you. And so, Holy Spirit, we give you this week, and we ask you to speak to us, encourage us, walk with us, and strengthen us. And, Lord, let us be a light for you in all areas of our lives. And, Father, we just want to serve you faithfully. In your name we pray. Amen. God bless you. Have a great week. Thanks for checking out this week's message, Bethel Church Podcast. We hope that it's blessed you and encouraged you, and that you come back and check out next week's message as well. 